Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. We are your hosts. Hey, y'all. We are in Charlotte again today. We're thrilled to be here. And we have interior designer Holly Hollingsworth Phillips. She is, her style is bold, colorful. Your background, I felt like it was very interesting. You um, grew up, your mother was an interior designer, but you also worked in antiques. Yes. And um, your your work has been featured in House Beautiful, um, Southern home, traditional home, Southern living, many more. And now you and your mom work together. It, your your design business is called The English Room. Correct. That. Yes. Yes. Um, she is no longer in the business. It's just me now. She retired about three years ago, four oh. or five years ago, something like that. But I have been doing this my entire life. I've been dealing with <laughs> antiques since I was born, basically. No, I, I read like you went on your first buying trip at 11. I did. All right. I did. Come on. That is, yeah. yes. That's so me. Are we also jealous? Well, I'm I was the youngest jealous. of four children, and I annoyed my older siblings. And so they were like, oh, it's easier to just take her. And so they took me on a buying trip, and I annoyed them. <laughs> and so my dad gave me a project of every trip I could buy one thing. So I started looking for dog paintings because I'm an animal lover, which I've said to y'all before. So every trip I would buy a piece of English sporting art, a dog painting. So now I have an entire room full of English <gasps> dog paintings. Oh my gosh, Amazing. I love it. That is really, it's such a cool thing though That's to even really tell cool. your kids. Yeah. Like, And then as I got older, I was like, I hate antiques. I don't want any antiques. I want it super modern. You know, I want to work at a modern art museum. I don't want to do interior design. Yeah. So that all evolved into changed my mind. She was right, of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, you know what? Remember when we had Tori um, a lot on and yeah, she was talking about because at the time she was uh, the like the market editor oh, right, for right, right. Um, traditional, traditional home, home mm-hmm. and now she works at Schumacher as her creative director or something like that. Sorry, I don't know your exact title, Tori. Um, but she was saying when she first got in the business, she was wanting to buy a sofa and she'd fallen in love with this modern sofa and her boss at the time said, what, what kind of sofa did you grow up with? And she was like, oh, totally traditional, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know what? Tap the brakes, wait a year, and then make your decision. And it sounds like the same. She went and then she bought a very traditional sofa like a year later. But it sounds like the same thing. Like you came full circle back to like Completely the roots full circle, of but your. Our style has always been different. Uh-huh. But there are certain things. And actually just purchased my parents' house a year ago. And nobody else has ever lived in this house. Um, they, they built bu- it, right? They built it in 1963. And then it was a very traditional Williamsburg, very American, American antiques, very traditional American. Then in 1980, 281, something like that. My mother hired Mario Boada to do the house because she had. Which is also mind blowing. Yeah. Yes. She had aspired to, you know, like had every Architectural Digest article she'd ripped out. She was like, this is the guy. And she'd been importing antiques for maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years at that point. Um, so she has amazing antiques and great taste, but she had just kind of done things herself or piecemealed it a little bit with certain designers she'd known. Um, so Mario did the whole house. And I remember seeing that process and loving him, you know, so much, which was cool to see. But in redoing it, I've certainly tried to pay homage to some of the things that they did and that, you know, I loved about the house, even though I'm not your traditional chintz girl. But I have uh-huh. like chintz curtains in the living room because she had chintz curtains. They just happened to be very different and bright and crazy and bold. What did you hold on to that Mario put in there? 
Anything? Well, some of the things, almost everything, because it's 30, 40 years old almost, mm-hmm. needs a refresh. A refresh sure. right. um, the format of how he had the living room laid out is exactly the same. They, he had he put a beautiful secretary in the corner. I found a chinoiserie secretary. I'd always wanted one, found one at auction. Um, and so the layout is very much like he did. I mean, I have the chintz curtains I did. Uh, dining room's totally different. The entrance hall, I loved how it was. It was a blue moire uh, wallpaper with a one-inch wallpaper border of solid, so it looked like tape all the way around oh, it. Oh, but beautiful. the color was super muted. It's actually on my Instagram story today I'd posted. And then the carpet was this iCat woven flat runner that he had made. And it was one of the few things my father balked at the price. Um, <laughs> when Mario did it, he was like, this is insane for a stair runner. We have four kids, even uh-huh. though most of them were gone at that point. Um, he's like, this is crazy. And so I just had it redone. And my dad asked me how much it was. And Stark made it <laughs> custom for me. And it was maybe a quarter or a third of the price. <gasps> so that was very exciting. It's exact, but just new colors. Was he mad? No, I think he was thrilled that I wasn't as wasteful as <laughs> as they already think I am. Well, that was my that was my question. Like that was should have been, or that I can imagine that would have been so hard in some ways because it's your childhood home, but you want to put your own stamp on it. Well, how did your parents structurally? Feel? I didn't want to change. I mean, like some of the rooms and the structure of the house. Like I could have come in and blown it out and put steel mm-hmm. windows and make it look like everything else. But it's a traditional Williamsburg house. It should stay that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if I wanted the other thing, I should have done it somewhere else. But right. so I did blow the back out, but kept it in keeping with the rest of the house. Kind of took space that would seemed more logical uh-huh. um, and did a big kitchen, which my mother thinks is hilarious because I don't cook and she never really cooked. <laughs> she's like, why do you need a kitchen? Right. Um, but it's the center of the house and it's where everybody congregates mm-hmm. and it made sense for us. Right, right. But every, otherwise, we really are keeping where years ago when we thought we would move there, we had a vision to do a lot more. And now at the age our kids are, a little bit older, I'm like, we don't need all this. Spe- like, we don't need, you don't need these huge houses. Uh-uh. You need the rooms that you have to work. And that's what we're trying to make happen. Yeah. So you said the runner. I have to go back to the runner. Yeah. You said it's it's ICOT. It is. It is. Which, you know, a, a it's, trend. It's But it's classic. It's classic. Right? I mean, it's it's it only looks, a trend because people, I think, discovered it, re- rediscovered right, it. Right. Exactly. You know, and I, I love think it. all those ethnic and tribal prints just make so much sense. And I love all the bold pattern and color. Mm-hmm. And they totally speak to me. That's a, I love that it's the exact same thing. And it's you the exact same like They got the pictures side by side. And it's kind of amazing how Stark did such an amazing job redoing it. And I mean, the weave is the same. Everything is the same except for the colors. Wow. And it so lasted wait. 30 years, so it's going to last another Yeah, so 30. what was the original color and what color is it now? So the original colors were like, I mean, just lighter. It was blues, kind of a pale French blue, a mm-hmm. little bit of yellow, coral, cream, a pale pink. And mine is pale pink still in the background, purple, turquoise, lime green, black. Love it. That's awesome. But it's yeah. not as crazy as it sounds. I mean, it, it kind of... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, we can post a photo yeah. in yeah, our yeah, in our show notes. My dad joked when we were buying the house, he's like, I know you're going to come in and ruin my house and put all this modern art and turn the whole thing purple. And damned if the entrance hall isn't purple. I there think you it go. Was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, there you go. There's the purple rug. There's purple in the runner. You know. You do so. like a bold abstract. I do. Though, I the do. arc. I do. I mean, I noticed that in your rooms because like you t- you've already touched on like your strong color and you've got like you're totally confident about just putting a lot of color and pattern in a room. But the art to me was a great accent to all of that, even in in every space. Well, it's interesting growing up buying very traditional furniture and having very traditional antiques as part of what I have. I kind of at a certain point was like, I want something different. And, mm-hmm. and I have all this very traditional art already. 
and I wanted to learn how to mix it all together. And I also, you know, we're going to have a lot more of that beautiful art because my parents have collected like crazy. So there's so much more coming our way. Right, right. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's interesting that I, I certainly appreciate and love what they have. And when we, when they moved into a smaller place a year ago, we had to kind of d- divide up what everybody wanted that was excess. And there's so much beautiful furniture. I mean, I've already got so much for my children to have mm-hmm. that I hope yeah. they will appreciate. Do you One think the they things- will? I don't know. Yeah. My <laughs> husband and we're fighting about that. Do you store it for right. them? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Are they going to want new things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, because they say these days kids don't want silver. They don't want. They don't want that reminder. You know what though? That's such a broad generality. Like it's such a a generality. But it's a it's a job to take care of antiques. It's a job to keep your silver polish. If you let it tarnish to a certain point, it loses its value. So I mean, I think it's we have to pass on the importance of these traditions and those things to our, our children if we want them to feel that that's important. Right. True. Yeah. No, but it is hard to look at your kids and be like, you're going to appreciate this because like to to your point, the same thing you did where you're like, no, yes. I mean, I hated everything my mother owned. And now I'm like, note that cabinet in the corner. I'd like my name put on. Right. Where I would have. I know I told her, you know, like that's gross when we drag me antique shopping. But I always wanted to be in the art field somehow. Like I went mm-hmm. to college as a studio art major. And then I decided, well, that takes forever and I'm actually not that good at this. So I'll go become an art history major. And mm-hmm. then I thought I would wanted to work in an auction house or a museum, which I did work at Sotheby's one summer. And then I um, went to Sotheby's decorative art class or services um, class in London for six months and did the 17th and 18th century decorative arts right after college. So I definitely knew I wanted to be that field, but by the time I finished college, I'd already figured out I wanted to do interior design and started a whole nother bachelor's degree, which they were supportive of. So I've They were? Of, that's nice. Yeah. That's great. What did the- you always have that natural, um, like, wanting color and everything? Yes. Always. Mm-hmm. And not our the house growing up was certainly colorful, not as colorful as and as bold as mm-hmm. I like, but there was certainly color in every room and there's chintz and pattern and layers of color. Very English country, which is completely layered and completely mm-hmm. overstuffed and too much furniture and too many accessories and too many things, which I love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's maximalism. It's done a little differently than we're doing it right now, but it's mm-hmm. totally maximalism. Right. Same thing. One of the things I loved about your portfolio and and the way you use color is because you have so many antiques it's a way to like to kind of bring them down a notch or make them more playful and fun right and modern and i also think it's a break like it's a break from everything new which while absolutely Mm -hmm. i love new furniture they're new you know there's plenty of stores like ballard where i shop all the time but I think it's nice to mix in the old. It gives it more character and it gives yeah, it more of a story. Yep, and I think yeah. the house has to reflect you. And you want to be like, my mother bought that on a buying trip or that was my grandmother's or this was this. And this came from wherever, you know, like it's, I think it has to be a mix of both for it to be interesting. Right. Are there things in your home that were in your house growing up that you just said, mom, I, I got to have this one day? Absolutely. What, what, what are they? Well, I mean, there's certain things that made sense in a space. Like there's this uh, one cabinet that's beside this closet that like she always stored certain pieces of glassware in there. I'm like, well, you can't take that because where am I going to put this? Like, you know, there were certain <laughs> yeah. things like that. I was like, I have to have that chest or I have to have, you know, certain things like that. So there are a couple pieces of furniture in the living room, um, no, in the den that were things that I was like, can that stay? Yeah. Do your siblings... Do they, do they also want? appreciate all this? 
Um, they, some of them do, and some of them don't care as much about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. We all have different tastes and style, but there's certain things that each sibling feels really strongly about. Like one of my brothers yeah. wanted this beautiful painting, and he's like, that's the only thing I want, and I want this desk. And then, you know, somebody else is like, I really want this. So it, it really kind of worked out well as to what everybody wanted. Um, right. Did they furniture. did they like it because of the aesthetics or did they like it because of the sentimental? Sentimental, yeah, all, yeah, all sentimental with them. That's so funny. I I, I think it's so interesting the way people um, connect to like there was a items. chair we fought about that's a funny um, traditional English corner chair, you know, so it's right, right. to the corner and. Um, we all felt like we sat in that chair when we got yelled at or in I trouble. I love it. Timeout chair. It wasn't really a timeout chair, but like when you sat in the den and you were getting the business, like that's where you ended up sitting and they were screaming at you and you're like, oh God, <laughs> here it comes. And I ended up with the chair. I got the chair. but So everyone wanted the chair. Everybody wanted the chair. I feel like that's so not surprising. Not everybody. Two of us wanted the chair. Okay. And there's four? Yeah. Okay. I, I like feel like it. that's surprising. It's like it's like the it's naughty like the chair. Thing, the so naughty why do you chair. want it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, my sisters are smart. I have four sisters, and all of a sudden, you'll be at one of their houses, and you're like, and they're like, oh yeah, I got it from the basement, mom, and dad's house, and I'm like, what? What are we? They're still alive. Gotta go raid. Yeah. yeah, they're raiding constantly, you're, and I haven't been. Mistake. Not fair. Not fair. You got it out from under my nose. You know. Yeah. Well, like, one yeah. sister got engaged on a blanket just so she could keep the blanket. And we're, <laughs> we were like, whoa, that's, that's another love. Okay, you yeah. earned she, that. She wins that it. one. Yeah, <laughs> she does. You've got to be more creative in the future. Taryn, get on it. You can do this. That's funny. <laughs> well, I love that you know so much about antiques. So I was wondering, you know, I'm, I know it's one of your kind of languages that you've learned through the years. Um, and if you could give like a little educational bit on it for those who are trying to shop for them. Or... Well, I think this is the best time ever to buy antiques because they're not particularly in favor. So I think mm-hmm. everybody needs a beautiful English bow front chest or a pretty French Regency chest or a French Empire chest. Something like one beautiful chest mm-hmm. I think you should have in your living room or your entrance hall. Like I think mm-hmm. it's just a classic thing to have. And go to local auctions. I generally go on a website called invaluable.com and you can search auctions, like every auction in the world. It has Sotheby's. I think it has Sotheby's and Christie's, but they're local auctions. Like there's an auction in Asheville, North Carolina called Brunk, B-R-U-N-K. They are the best. There's so many great, like two or three times a year, they have great auctions. There's an auction house in West Columbia, which I know this seems crazy, but I have New York friends. Yes. West Columbia, South Carolina. I have friends in New York who buy from there. And I just bought the secretary that I was referring to for a song. Like it was, like it was so undervalued. It would have been 10 times that at a New York auction house. So I think you kind of search some of your local mm-hmm. and there's all they're all over the country. Mm-hmm. And you can even go on invaluable. You can be like 18th century English sideboard and 200 of them will pop up and when the sale is and blah, 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 like whatever you're looking for. Um, it's kind of amazing. So whatever you need to fill in it's great. with your These new are furniture great resources. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. Yeah. I is do is that all shipping the time. expensive? It can be, mm-hmm. yeah. But shipping, shipping of that new is item expensive. is expensive. Sure, good point. Shipping yeah. is the the downfall, I think, of the entire furniture industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's we yeah. have like it's expensive, and the trucking companies aren't as um, diligent Reliable. always. No, as no, they should be because it, it, things come with broken legs, and the cost of Ballard mm-hmm. Designs and Anthropology and all of those stores. I can't imagine no. what the loss on the shipping end is. Yeah, being a national retailer, I would. Th- think that I, I, I can say with confidence it's one of our major pain points getting it to you for getting out of our warehouse 
putting it on a truck and then waving goodbye and hoping it gets there in one piece. I mean, we do all we can to package it well, but like, you know, they have to take it out. They have to cross dock it, take it out of the packaging, move it into your house. You know, it's just, it's a... And as an interior designer, it is a huge point of our customer service issue is dealing with the things before they ever get to the client. Mm -hmm. It's like the broken items and the shipment delays and lost it. Lost it. Just lost Mm -hmm. it. Lost it. It's at this place, but we can't find it. You're like, oh. Yeah. You know, and people wonder why interior designers are expensive. I mean, there's there's a lot of that time and labor spent. I mean, think about your time on the phone with the cable company. We're doing that all day long with the trucking companies and and furniture brands and all of that. Mm. Because, I mean, how much of your actual working time is creative and designing? I would like to say all of it, but it's not. Um, (laughs) I would say that the creative in general is about 10% of the whole industry. Um, I have given wow, away. Wow, that's little. It is little, but it's very little. I mean, the creative stuff, I could do it all day long and uh-huh. design 100 houses, but, you know, it's the the part that it takes 90% of all mm-hmm. the paperwork and logistics and special things and measuring and remeasuring and making sure the plumber put things in right and all those little details. Because in some ways, you're really in the customer service business. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Oh. I and I've, I've given that. away to my other people in the office whom I trust and appreciate that they're there. I've given away a lot in the past few years. And I try and do a lot more creative. And since I also have a blog now, I do all of that solely. And I do all the social media solely. So I try and do creative, the blog, social media, and generally right. try and stay uninvolved in the accounting and all that other stuff. Because the business part does not come easy to me. Right. Hire someone that yeah, does that better than how. you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what is the whole saying about that? Hire somebody who knows it better than you do or whatever. Right. I wanted to talk to you about Florence Broadhurst because you are sort of a spokesperson for yes. them in a way. I'm their American brand ambassador. There you go. Yeah. Um, and we, I, our creative director just recently told me we are actually carrying some of her patterns. That's her exciting. I did not know that. Yes, one of one of them. Okay, is, so they partnered with York. Sorry to interrupt you. They yes, partnered that, with York Wall Covering and did a collection that came out last fall, I believe. And it's a limited col- amount of prints because Florence had over 500 prints. But I think this is maybe like eight prints or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a great collection. And it's a so great that's one of the ones point. we're carrying. Yeah. I think, I don't know how many of that eight, yeah. but um, I know one of them we're featuring in the, in our um, summer catalog. Oh, good. So I just, I wanted you to kind of maybe give everyone a little lesson on her. Florence is the most fascinating creature ever. So she was born, and I wish I'd studied it up for dates a little better, maybe born, um, turn of the century, 20s, something like that, in um, Australia, out in the outback, like in the middle of nowhere, and eventually found herself, I think first she was a dancer and all of these things. She like got out of wherever she was. I mean, I think her family was a coal miner or something akin to that. And she ended up in Shanghai teaching people to dance, and then she had a manners academy, and she um, left there and ended up in London and said she was maybe a French aristocrat, and she had a fashion line and a title. And then was the car, she had a car accident next. And I think that maybe was in London. Then she ended up back in Sydney and was still, she maybe went back to her. She, I mean, I think in modern day, we would have said she had like multiple personality disorder. But she had lots of stories in her life, which were crazy interesting, but she was <laughs> super creative. And so late in her life, she created this um, wallpaper company in. Sydney and made beautiful, beautiful, beautiful prints and came up with like 500 designs. 
And, and you know, at the time, that was the, everybody had Florence Broadhurst, war Florence Broadhurst, had it in their house. It was the thing. And then she was brutally murdered by someone that had to have known her because they had had tea before and there's no suspects, it's suspects, and they never solved the murder. So it's what? kind of this crazy Australian like a podcast. I know it's a crazy Australian mystery, and there's an Australian documentary, but we cannot get it for some reason. It's formatted to whatever their machines or their, and we can't get it because even the guy who is in charge of it and um, running all the licensing was like, I can't send it to you because what I would send you, you can't play on your machine. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's Ooh. a fa- she's a fascinating, and there's a, there are a couple of books about her. They're worth a read. It is it is really interesting. Some. Susan told me that um, our creative our creative director, director mm-hmm. had had one of her coffee table books and was talking about what a fascinating life she so had. So she really yeah. did. I mean, she had these three phases. So in her collections, you see the English influence, the Shanghai influence, and then the Australia influence. Like she has these very distinct mm-hmm. kind of personalities and aspects of her life. So were they all patterns that were inspired by her life living in all these different? areas or were they so i mean there are lots of them are very abstract i mean it's you know but some of them you'll have the chinese looking bamboo chinoiserie scene you'll have Mm -hmm. i mean it's kind of a mix of all different things but she's very much that pattern she was a pattern guru she really knew how to pattern on pattern and layer and all of those things the one that we have in our in our summer catalog and and once i can post a photo in in the show notes but it's a blue and green sort of an Kelly green, navy blue, bird, bird. print. Yes. That is actually in my bar. I it's use that gorgeous. in my bar. Yeah, it's a great paper. Yeah. That's called Egrets. Okay. All yeah. right. We'll link to it. Yeah. How did yeah. you come to become the ambassador? I think I was such a fan, and one of the PR people knew I was such a fan that she was working on um, becoming, she was their PR person, so she reached out to me about it. And it's been really fun. Upcoming in the fall at a High Point show house, I have um, the opportunity to do a room as Florence Broadhurst, which is really fun. How so I'm cool. doing it. I mean, everybody else is kind of doing it as, as their brand, as they likely should, but I'm doing it as Florence Broadhurst and how she would have done it. So I'm using her new rug collection for Brink and Campman, the Salamat furniture um, line, the wallpaper, and then materialized as a company out of Australia that's printing all the fabric. And they're hoping to launch in the United States. So you'll have, and it'll digitally printed, so it'll be an amazing resource for 500 prints. Wow. That's really neat. Very so cool. It'll be cool. That is really cool. Except for I went to see the room. Uh-huh. Um, we should have done a little more research on that. Hmm. It has um, beadboard walls. The one type of wall you really can't wallpaper. <laughs> the ceiling. We're going to have a wallpapered ceiling. Okay, there you so go. So you have a little relief on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, wow, we really did pick at the room well. <laughs> did it from afar on a, based on a floor plan. So... Oh. Wait, so how do you how do you get like does someone just assign you the room? Oh no, you said you picked it from a floor. So plane. on a okay. show house, um this show house, whomever the PR company that works with Florence Broadhurst had been in touch with the show house people and they said, Here are the spaces available and she said, you know, you can do a bathroom upstairs, you can do this hallway, you can do this porch, you can do this breakfast room or whatever it was. And I was like, I'll take the bread. I mean, I was trying to think what would be the easiest to sh- showcase all the products. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the, the long den office breakfast room space is what I chose. Mm-hmm. With beadboard. Yeah. <laughs> With whoopsies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's okay, though. Okay. One of the things that I noticed in your work is I feel like you, in some ways, break rules. Yes. 
But <laughs> not good at rules. As Never. a designer, <laughs> there must be certain rules that you do like to follow. Maybe there are rules that you that are your own personal rules. Could you tell us about that? Well, I design very differently for myself than I do my clients. Generally, my clients are not going to be as bold and as crazy as I am. And I, you know, it's funny. It's like the, you know, the cobbler's children with no shoes. Like I had a big party a few weeks ago for the Mint Museum. And two days before I'm scrambling and stealing things from my house and the warehouse and our office and, you know, trying to get it put together. And with clients, it's a much more, you know, I would have had those chairs ordered with a very specific fabric. And I'm like, whatever ended up in there looked great. And it was kind of thrown together. But I think I have the ability to throw things together and also to use upholstery with tons of crazy pattern that I probably wouldn't do for clients. I tend to use all the crazy pattern and color a little um, less for them. Because most people don't want it. Like I have a magenta crazy sofa that a delivery guy called me one time that he was like, I'm here to pick up your sofa, Miss Holly. And he's like, it's the wrong one. And I was like, well, how do you know? He's like, you got to see this color. He's like, nobody would use this color. And I was like, well, what does it look like? He's like, it's like purple and hot pink and glowing. And I was like, oh, that's right. Bring it on. (laughs) But he was completely concerned that he had like, they've put the wrong thing on this. This is horrible. It's and I'm like, just grab it, William, and bring yeah. it all back. <laughs> and it worked out. It worked out. I love it. It's been in three houses. I haven't recovered it. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. For, okay, so cause speaking to bold patterns and, you know, people who are trying to put together a fabric, you know, for a room, how a fabric plan, how would you take, do you start with, for instance, that magenta fabric, and then you, from there, tried to find, like... I have no method to the madness right. for myself. Mm-hmm. It's, like, all the different things yeah. I like. And kind of with clients, what you love is what mm-hmm. you should do. Yeah. But with them, you've got to figure out how to put... You know, generally, you want... For a client, I would say you want more neutral on the upholstery pieces so they have longevity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be totally neutral, but you want more solids and small scale and mm-hmm. stripes and things like that. Because generally, people will get tired of huge prints on things. Okay. If they're willing to go bold, I'm all in and love that. And I'm happy to put leopard or animal or zebra or whatever on every single thing you own, if you're willing. <laughs> but yes. that is not usually the case. So I try and get your prints in small doses and pillows mm-hmm. and accents, ottomans, things like that. So that it's easier things to change if mm-hmm. you are one of those people that tends to be a little more fickle. Okay. So if you could do a statement anywhere in a room for yourself or your client, would it be on the upholstery or are there other ways to be bold that art, you like? I think art is a huge, huge, huge part of, part of it. And um, I think art's super personal, so that's hard. Mm-hmm. I think with myself, I feel like I know what I love really easily, but clients don't always know what they love and that's right. why they hired you. Mm-hmm. So if I show them artists that I love and they don't have a great reaction, it's always like, so what is, I mean, it's trying to figure out what do they love? Right. Because I, I feel like that's a huge wow in a room always. And, you know, I feel like you have to balance it. If your art's a wow, then your upholstery can't be a wow, too. Like, you right. can have a bolder rug and bolder art, but then the rest of it needs to be a little quieter. It's so, kind of you have like to balance. two wows? How many wows are we allowed in a room? Not a whole. I mean. Yeah. Not everything can be a wow. Right. Then nothing yeah. is. Yeah. Something has to support the wows. Support the well, wow. and I think that yeah. it has to be some. It has to be, like, rest for your eye. You have to have a little bit of rest, but, like, something to comment. Because if the whole thing's going crazy, what do you look at? Right. Yeah. Which is probably the weakness at my house that it's like, oh, God, the whole thing's going Keep crazy. Looking. Yeah. Keep looking. Keep <laughs> looking. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like you have any of that sort of um, paralysis when you're shopping for yourself. Like we were talking a little earlier, doing our own homes we find harder than other people's. I'm just less motivated for some reason that 
and moving into a house that I grew up in mm-hmm. and is a little bit weird that, you know, there's seven bathrooms, like including powder rooms, whatever. They all need to be redone, like all of them. And I kind of just don't care. Right. I know every bottom that sat on every toilet. I know every person <laughs> that was ever in it. I mean, we did change all the toilets, actually. But, um, but, Some I mean, good Clorox know, is all you need. The beige tile may not be beautiful, but I'm not in a huge hurry. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think I want to, with myself, I want to do it right and do it once and not hurry through it. And I'm mm-hmm. not rushed into a renovation with a timeline. But I do think doing this kitchen renovation was a huge eye-opening experience because I haven't done a renovation in 15 years. And I haven't ever done a kitchen for myself. I've mm-hmm. done it for clients a thousand times. I know why they were complaining. It's terrible to live through. It's awful. Oh, yeah, because you lived there during yeah, it. We yeah, we lived there during it. And I don't even cook, but it's so inconvenient and waking up every day with people in your house. I mean, it's certainly a blessing to have the ability to do it, and I appreciate that. But it does get old. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It gets old. You just want them out. Yeah. Are there any mistakes that you feel like you've made in your kitchen renovation or otherwise? Yes, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. Um, I bought a rug. Yes, I bought a rug that I don't particularly love at High Point Market. Mm -hmm. I'd seen it a couple markets before, and it was still there, and it was bright and beautiful and crazy. And I just said, oh, my gosh. She was like, I'll give it to you for a deal. I know you want it. I'm like, oh, great. I'll take it. And I got it. And I got it home. And I'm like, this is the wrong size for anywhere. Uh, like it's you know uh, like it's a little too small in this room it's a little mm-hmm. too big in this room it doesn't fit here it doesn't and I was like that was just an impulse buy mm-hmm. uh-huh. and certain things you do need to measure and you mm-hmm. need to look at scale and anything you ever are going to buy look at the mm-hmm. measurements yeah. because I, I mean even as designers that buy things all day long I mean I got a lamp that was probably 42 inches tall the other day I was like how in the world did I miss that yeah I mean, you know, some giant lamp. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I'm I'm notorious for not measuring and then making expensive mistakes. Yeah, that you can't always get rid of. Yeah, you know, you're kind of stuck sometimes. Here's I think something that can be challenging is, you know, buying something for a specific space, but knowing okay. I'm not necessarily going to be in this space forever. So how do you balance that? Well, that's when I I would tend to lean towards a catalog item or something that has great style and the look and all of those things. But that's not where you buy the antique armoire Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. not going to fit in the next house. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not where you spend all your money. You need to do something that's tasteful and nice and will fit, but don't spend all of your budget. Yeah, that is not your splurge. I think your splurge should be things that you're always going to love. It's going to be art. It's going to be a antique rug or a Ushak rug or something that has longevity. Generally, sisals and things like that, buy the inexpensive one. Right. Because your dog's going to go to the bathroom on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to need a new one. And You're going to need a new one. Anyway, yeah. Sofa, yeah. I feel differently about. I think nice upholstery should last you forever. Yes. Truly, there's a sofa in our family that's going on 40 years, and it's totally fine. It's been recovered two or three times, but my brother has it now. I've had it. My parents had it for 25 years. Like, and it is... A great sofa. How do you know? How do you know whether a sofa is well made or not? I eight, mean, eight way hand tied, hardwood, quality cushions, mm-hmm. all of those things. Okay. See, she knows. She yeah. knows it all. I don't know it all, but well, she knows. <laughs> but I mean, a I lot. Think, I think that you can go buy mm-hmm. a half or third the price option that looks good, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the longevity. And yeah. that is that is something as a job as a designer to educate clients mm-hmm. on, right? And if you want this as an option for now 
and that you'll then move to your beach house when you have the budget to you know, one day or mm-hmm. you'll move to your wherever or that could one day be a vacation house or that could go to the playroom one day. Then there's certain instances. But I think buying quality once, what is the saying? You buy quality once, mm-hmm. crowd once or something. Right, right. And your dad would say, I can buy the best once. Yeah, I can afford to buy the best once. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. But certainly if you're buying trend, buy the right. less expensive option. I mean, it's or just like pillow. fashion. Or a pillow or right. whatever. Yeah. And as we talked about, ICAT can go, you know, I, I still love it because I love ethnic tribal everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that the trend of it, buy the pillow, not the curtains. Right. Okay. Now, here's a question for you because you love color. And I think in some cases, color can be very trendy. Absolutely. So how do you... How do you incorporate color that's, you know, I hate to use the word timeless because that's. Right. That has longevity. Right, right, right. I mean, I think some of it will be cyclical no matter what. Lime green, Mm -hmm. orange, all those like, Mm -hmm. they will still always read the 70s like lime green. I love it and it makes me happy so I continue to use it. Um, But I think the more trend watch we do going to High Point Market and going to all the different furniture markets and seeing, like you see the colors come and go. Like it is absolutely, mm-hmm. like this market, so much yellow, like right. marigold, yellow, everywhere. Like mm-hmm. it is, you're, so yellow, here it comes. Mm-hmm. But you're going to tire that. I did yellow when I moved in my first house in 1999 and glazed the walls bright yellow and I thought it was amazing and I got totally sick of it. So I think, but do it in where you paint it, not wallpaper. Right. Do it in things that you can change. It's okay to get sick of things, yeah. right? Like, yes. I mean, but I, and I think you try to avoid that at all costs. But, well, and I think that we all have different philosophies on that. Like my parents, for instance, when when Mario decorated my parents' house in the eighties, it was basically the very same as it had been, and when they moved a year ago, and we redid some of those things to move into the retirement place where they live now. And their theory is, you do it once and you do it right, and it stays the same. And of mm-hmm. course, they added art and accessories and things, but generally, it was the very same. Right. Like mine is evolving all the time, and it's you know, mm-hmm. and I try not to throw things out the door as they you know, like I try not to be wasteful, but it's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. What do you do with your sloppy seconds? Um, I what is the what everything but the house? I sold a bunch of things on everything but the house last year, and I have a whole lot of things that I'm thinking that my children will want. That maybe they will, maybe they won't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. How old are the kids? Eighteen, sixteen, and twelve. Mm. Yeah, you don't know here's for the a while. thing. I think, I well, everyone says that young <laughs> people don't want antiques, but I think in many cases, young people want something that's they can afford, as in free yeah yeah so i mean but they may come to appreciate something that in the beginning they only take because they need a chest of drawers or a chair you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because that that i feel like is definitely somewhere i feel like i have clients that you go to their house and they don't necessarily love antiques but i'm like oh my gosh that's beautiful and they're like it is you know something (laughs) that their mother gave them the other ones are dogs i'm like that goes you keep this one this is beautiful Mm -hmm. we move this from your bedroom down to the entrance hall like right it's a mix of of both Right. But I do think the more I buy new furniture, the more I appreciate antiques. I mean, I think it's it's the mix that makes it interesting to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. The quality is hard to replicate. It is. That you're getting it in is. those pieces that were handmade and labored yeah. over. Exactly. Right. And, and have already lived for every drawer years. And, you yes. know, they've mm-hmm. survived. Yeah. But they don't have, you know, the beautiful chest on chest in our bedroom. You know, the drawers sometimes are hard to pull out and, the, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. They don't work as well as... Some of the new they don't things. Have a it doesn't have a charge hinge or a charging it, station. It doesn't have a charging station. There's no charging station by my bed. <laughs> well, it's true. You, I feel like you get the charm 
there's a charm to an old piece, right. but then there's there a is trade-off. a function. Yeah. Well, because sometimes, sometimes the upholstery sometimes. isn't sized right for the way we oh, yeah. see, or it's, it's scale, too low, scale, old weird. upholstery. Absolutely. Or it's and I think tiny. it's the mix, because like, if everything is old, it does sometimes look old, and Granny lived mm. here, and it, yeah. it feels tired. But what makes it interesting is the mix of the beautiful contemporary lamps and the contemporary art and a cool chandelier, whatever. I think it's the mix of it that makes it so much cooler right. and individual versus you bought everything in a one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Have y'all ever walked into a home where every the home is new and every single thing in this in it yes. is new? There's a weird feeling. I feel like Makes it's uncomfortable. Like yes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not necessarily a visual thing. It's a it's almost like the air is different. Am I crazy? Well, no, yes. It's too new. Yeah. It's yeah. too new and there's no there's like no showroom. charm. It's like uh-huh. nobody lived here like if you took away the few personal objects would would you know if anybody right. lived here? Does right. it it's feel a model like anybody? Home. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I think, I don't know. I just am always kind of like, I think it's funny how you can, sometimes there's a feeling in the mm-hmm. home. And even if your eyes were closed, you would feel like something's off or this feels great. And it, yeah. it's a visceral it's like, thing. And, and something in a room, I feel like always needs to kind of be out of place or a, not askew, but it's like you need to have the thing that doesn't really like make it so perfect. Like mm-hmm. you don't want it to look so perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it doesn't all need to match, like, the matching thing with clients. Sometimes they really want every, well, that color's, the pink color's a little bit different than the color of the upholstery. I'm like, well, so. Yeah, exactly. Should be. It makes it more interesting. Right. Everything blends. Plus, shine a light on that. It's going to look different in yeah. right, different true. times of day, where you sit in the room. It always Again, is Again, I think it's the layers and the mix of it that makes it so much more interesting. Right. Is yeah. this is is the matching thing some is is that like a new phenomenon that I don't think so. I think it's people who don't necessarily have as much confidence yes. in design mm. feel like they know that when they go out with their clothes they need to match. So with mm-hmm. their interior does it need to I mean I think it's a very basic yeah, a design instinct. But I think that that's why you hired a designer is to help you overcome the very basic instincts and move on to Push your boundary. Yeah. Yeah. A little bigger there ones. Was a, there was a decorating dilemma that we got. This was a long time ago. But I remember um, she was talking about she got nightstands and she had um, like white nightstands and a white dresser. And um, she was ordering a console and she was trying to figure out like, is this too creamy? Is this too white? Do they go together? And I think, well, I hope that our advice in the end was like, just it's not. Just do no it. Don't worry about it. see them yeah. next to each other. And it doesn't and, matter. It right, makes it more right. interesting. Yeah, right. you certainly don't want it to be that one note. Yeah. Rooms to go. Not right. to diss rooms to go. And if they have a podcast, I'm sure it's amazing. Not as good as this one, but still. <laughs> I had noticed in your work, and I thought this was an interesting, just from someone who's not an interior designer, you have, you know, drapery and then in the same space or maybe down the space you have Roman shades, um, maybe of the same fabric, maybe different. Um, and so I kind of wanted you to speak to how do you decide where there should be drapery versus Roman shades? and Certain spaces, I mean, I don't always love mm-hmm. to do that, but like if you have a bed with bedside tables and it's going to annoy the client with the panels behind it, mm-hmm. we'll do Roman shades right there. Mm-hmm. And then on the big window, do panels to draw. So it's um, more of ease, it's practicality. More mm-hmm. Okay, It's more function Great. based on that. Great. No, I was just wondering when to do, because myself too, I'm like, do I do a Roman shade here? or is Roman this shades to- generally, I think, are the worst. I hope y'all don't sell a lot of them. Um, <laughs> we don't sell any. 
Oh, that's so good. There you go. <laughs> because generally, I think they need to be made in not your regu- regular workroom. I think it needs to be almost industrial or commercial. Because Roman shades look great in a little boy's room. What do little boys do? They yank on them. Yeah. Like, uh, right. Yeah. Every day and night, they are not meant to be drawn. They are really all should be, like, in my mind, every Roman shade should be stationary and never used. And, like, have a pull-down shade behind it. Interesting. Um, okay. It's for get, looks. Okay. They get torn up. They really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, have had them made at a bazillion different workrooms, and they really are hard to keep mm. because they have that little pulley system in the back, and it's kind of delicate, just, and yeah. it's just not. Oh, God. How many times have y'all done a thing, and it goes like one crooked? Side. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's for sure. Really, it's, it is it's, really annoying. <laughs> I love a Roman shade, but they really are meant to be looked at and not used. I actually put two in, or I had two made and put it over my kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And again, they look great up. I used to draw them like every night. And it's, really? It, yeah. And you, you with time. Stopped. Used to yeah. being the keyword. And then you have to like <laughs> flatten each plate. Well, that was it too, yeah. is like sometimes you pull and they don't. And I, I still love the look. Like I, um, I have blinds in a small just bathroom that has one little window. And I want to get it just for looks again mm-hmm. and do the. Um, I just love that it softens it and it gives a mm-hmm. little bit of color with the fabric. So in spaces that can be more or kind of need that more function, it can give that Mm -hmm. look and then you can do drapery in the same room. Or you can even do like those inexpensive uh, blackout roller shades that will draw under it. Yeah. Yeah. Behind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you the panel a question. The panel is, question? Is, no, a question for everyone. For everyone. Oh, I just oh, want to okay, hear okay. everyone's thoughts. So I'm buying a new house. And... I don't want to put shades on every window. There's don't. So, so is that weird? No. I don't have shades on a single window. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to put some of the windows. I don't want any. any nothing any, on them. Nothing I think on that's them. Great. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's great. That's not a That's not a that's no. That's not no. a no. I mean, I think as you live there and you see how the light affects the house, you may have to change your mind just because of light. Right. But I think certain houses lend to have nothing. And I think it's interesting doing a super contemporary project recently. Like the house was going to look so much better with nothing. Uh-huh. But it's a bedroom that looks into like, uh-huh. you know, you're like, how do you tackle this? I mean, I think I think nothing looks better a lot of the time. Okay. All right, so cool. how do you, how did you tackle a bedroom in a place like we, that? We did a recessed rod in the mm-hmm. ceiling with shears. Um, and then we did a motorized. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was like super tall. We did this right. motorized thing that mm-hmm. comes down behind it. Just the shears kind of softened it. But it was, it's a... It's a challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. window treatments are always a challenge because they're so expensive. They are. Right. They're so, so much fabric. And there's so much fabric and you want to do it right. And but they that. always, they always are worth it. Yeah. They I, always make the difference. Yeah. Like every time I've had a custom, I've said this before, it's just like, then it looks so good. It, it's it it's so lush. It does. It just yummy. finishes the room mm. and it makes the sound in the room. Like yeah. it, it just, it just right. softens everything. It's it so just good. makes it feel finished. It's mm-hmm. And that, but they are expensive, and every time that yeah, sticker shock is of hard. the lining, the inner lining, the black lining, the rings, mm-hmm. the rod, the labor, the installation—I mean, it adds up. Mm-hmm. Can Until I tell you're you about in that something dark that room? I hate about drapery. Go. If you don't get custom, I assume if you don't. Well, I've never had custom rods in my life, but if the 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 um expandable rods, yes, you can't go over the hump. Oh. Those are just for Why has too. the world not come up with a better solution for this? My installer has. 
So I actually love um, Antique Drapery Rod Company. I use their expandable rods a lot because I think they're beautiful and they're easy and they're lightweight. They have beautiful solid rods too, but they're super heavy and then you have the tendency to have them pull out of the wall. And But their lightweight satin brass or antique brass rods are beautiful. Well, he's figured out that he can splice them in the middle and put the center, if you have to have a center mm-hmm. support there, and so they still draw and it's all good. So can you order a custom length or? You can order custom length, but they're the solid. Okay. But there are other vendors. Like I can -hmm. can help you with a a workaround. Okay, Okay, cool. I need to know that. I need that. I can definitely help you with work around. That is that. the hard if you're if you're drawing. Because then you're yeah. like yanking and you're like, get if over If you're drawing right. in a bedroom, I generally like a traverse rod system, like with, with the pulley. I oh, think yeah, that's yeah. much better than having the wands and the Yeah. Or just the But they don't look as pretty for, you know, as the ring rod and ring. Right, right. But you can even have fake rod and ring with the traverse system in it. Oh, that's fancy. Curtains My mom has the um, world. the pulley, the the pulley in in our guest bedroom in yeah. their house and and it's very nice. Blackout. Yeah, with blackout, Love you could just blackout. sleep all day. But I would never get up if I had blackout. Oh my gosh, I have to have pitch black. Yeah, I can't really? do it. Even when I, I stay like in hotels, I leave the, the drapery open really? because I want to get up. Yeah, I wouldn't wake up. It'd be bad. It'd be noon, and I would have missed <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> I totally would have. Wow. My husband likes it dark. I like it pitch black. Mm-hmm. We, uh, my husband and I, were just in France, and we we're staying in this hotel. And you know, they come when you're out in the evening and yeah, turn down service. Yes. So the turn down service came and you know, you don't pay attention. The drapery was all pulled and so the next morning we, it was like 10, eight, you know, it's late. Well, behind even the doors, they actually had a metal like garage door that had come down. So even as soon as I did you wake were in up, lockdown. I like opened and you know, to the glass, you know, the drapery expecting this view. All of a sudden I was like, there's a metal panel. We're locked Thank in God here. there wasn't a fire. I couldn't find that button like in the room for oh, like. That's terrible. You're like, I'm in a prison cell. I really was like, I was going around the walls being like, how do I? And I tried to lift it like a garage door. Like I was like, does this huh. open? So like, it was motorized. It was motorized. I found the button. It was right next to the nightstand, but like I could not, because I wasn't there and right. like could not solitary find it. Anyway. So it was like a garage door that came It literally down. was a metal door. For safety, I do think that would be a concern. Yeah, I'm afraid. Anyway, I'll tell you where I it was later. here. But anyway, to that darkness effect. Yeah. So if, if you don't do blackout, you could put a garage door. Yeah, I course. recommend blackout for any bedroom. It's it's luxurious. It really is. And every nursery in every world should have a black. Every That's kid's room in nursery that makes those babies sleep. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know what day it is. <laughs> That's great up. advice. Yes. Yeah. These two both have babies. Mm-hmm. So I don't have blackout. Okay. Though. Do you know that you shouldn't paint your nursery yellow? No, it's not. It's it's like lucked out somehow. Um, It is. It is a wives' tale that you shouldn't paint your nursery yellow because they'll give them colic. And I did paint someone's nursery yellow because they really wanted it one time, and that baby cried for like six months. No, that's Mm -hmm. hilarious. Mm -hmm. And And you were like, it was true. I didn't tell her that. No, no. Too late. Well, it sounds like she wanted it. So yellow. Paint your nursery yellow. Okay. Good to know. Good to know, Karen. And when I have my middle-aged Karen. baby, I'll be sure not to do that. I'll have grandkids one day. I'll, I'll be sure to give the mother-in-law advice. Okay, I feel me. like we should do a decorating right, dilemma. let's do a dilemma. It's Let's have Holly help. Our dilemma today is Carly. from Carly. And she writes and says... I think it's Carly Simon. No. I, I Carly... <laughs> 
iCarly. Definitely (laughs) (laughs) iCarly. Okay, she writes, My husband and I are renovating the raised ranch we bought in the suburbs of Boston. We are creating an open-concept kitchen, living, and dining area with vaulted ceilings. While the idea of renovation has been rainbows and butterflies (laughs) until now... When I actually have to pull the trigger on decisions for my contractor. Yeah, that's tough. There are two non-negotiable fixtures for the space. Number one, um, our Benjamin, Benjamin Moore Hale Navy Kitchen Island base. And number two, the Roswell sectional and ottoman we purchased from Ballard in the Boost Indigo Sumbrella fabric. So yummy. Hashtag swoon, she put. She did. <laughs> my question for you is, can I do Hale Navy cabinets too, or will this be Navy overload? If not, what cabinet color would be recommended? I've attached a drawing of the kitchen plans along with a few photos of the space now. Judge-free zone. We were lucky enough to buy my grandmother's home furniture included until we renovate. As you can see, we are not doing any upper cabinets, and we'll have... We'll be having Black Splash go all the way up. Style TBD, so I'm very open for suggestions here. Also, what is your favorite Benjamin Moore white for walls? Well, that is an easy one. Um, the White Dove is, white is dove. the easy part. The Benjamin okay. Moore white okay. is White Dove. I love it. I think it's mm-hmm. great for everything. Somehow the picture I was looking at was not of the kitchen. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a kitchen one I either. Um, okay. think she doesn't have a ton of cabinets so i would definitely do the hail navy on all the bottoms and i think it get, anchors it and gives it a little bit of weight in saying that i would likely not do the dark countertops as shown there i would switch it and do either a quartz in a white color or a marble but morning marble is gonna quartz is so durable it's so durable i, I just it. put it's white so marble easy. that's that's the mistake i probably made mm. that we are not um terribly kind to our countertops <laughs> and I do like margaritas and there's maybe some lime etching um, <laughs> yeah. but um, so for this project I would do light countertops I like the open shelving I would do hail navy on the bottom don't know what she has for the floor did she say what the floor is mm. I don't think I don't so think I don't think she mentioned it I would put hardwoods if it were me yeah and not all that little tile that's busy and then yeah the put navies- wood in the kitchen Huh? I love wood in the kitchen. I do too. Oh, Practical yeah. and, and it's easy. softer underfoot than tile. It is. And if Feels you better. want some crazy or fun tile, put the fun tile on, all the way up the wall, like do a great Moroccan and blue and white or something up oh, the wall. Oh, I love that. That's a fun idea. Yeah. I love um, that. And then your Hale Navy sofa, some neutral chair sectional, some neutral chairs. Maybe your, don't you have a Navy leopard um, or Navy oh. antelope? Rub. That little oh, the, carpa or we have the, the we have a gray carpa. and we have a the the camel color antelope. Yeah, mm. maybe put one oh, of the, the antelopes camel under would be pretty the, with the navy. Yeah, with the hardwoods and put yes. that under, and then have some fun patterned pillows thrown on there. Done. Okay. Love that idea. Send Love your that. bill. Yeah, to Carly. No, I thought that was that's a good one. Yeah. So that's when good. you do um, like big fun tile like that, where it starts at the countertop and goes all the way up. Um, do you do it to the left of the cabinets, like where the cabinets end, or do you kind of go line up with the cabinets? I would line Does it up with sense? the cabinet. I would make that line be the mm-hmm. finished line straight up from the countertop. <gasps> uh-huh. mm. And then if you do... Then like, run it all the way around to the refrigerator on that image. Okay, on her image. Yeah. yeah. And my other question with that is, okay, so if I do all the cabinets navy, do you do the, in like a fun tile behind, mm-hmm. do you do the wall, if there's any excess wall on either side, do you just do that? White? I would do the wall white all the way around the entire space. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Dub, yeah, so if, white. It, we'll, we'll, we'll include the photo in the show notes, but basically the cabinets, the lower cabinets sort of drop off. It looks like maybe a foot before some doors. Mm-hmm. That's where we're saying um, mm-hmm. sort of stop the tile mm-hmm. 
on the same with the cabinet with yeah. right. on the cabinet same plane edge, as the cabinet. Yeah. yeah and if a crazy towel scared you you could always do white subway mm. which is beautiful and classic and yeah. never going to go out of style right. agreed yeah it's going to be great yes. good, good job Farley, congrats. if you do plain white if you do plain white subway your open shelves need to have like a little bit of color instead of just your white yeah uh-huh. and uh, white everything it's a good call what, wait what color do you do the shelves I think you're saying well, white. you could do black. She said if she does white towel, mm-hmm. don't do a white shelf. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I would oh, do the I cabinet you were color do... on the shelf. I would do the hail navy on oh, the shelves. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then whatever you put on it, especially if you had white, mm-hmm. I think you don't want more white plates. Right, right, white right. Stuff. Yeah. All white. Yeah. The things on the shelf should have color and Correct. interest. Correct. Yeah, Got is. it. All right. Done. Good luck, Carly. What a fun project. Yeah, that is fun. So this is, did y'all hear that this is her grandmother's house? Yes. That's amazing. Well, and the Roswell sectional is really comfy. Cush, mm. and she got this umbrella smart. Yes. Yeah, that's very smart. Mm-hmm. Performance fabric all the way, every day, all the time. <laughs> Agreed. It's the best. On everything. Everything. I mean, why not? Right. It's so great these days. But for technology, upholstery, you're crazy it, not to. It feels so good. Yeah. And there's so many pretty ones. Yeah, yeah, there are. Oh, and leather. Like the Miles Red collection, y'all have. I love, love, love. Those peacock blue dining chairs, mm-hmm, the, the white mm-hmm. dining chairs with the peacock blue leather. Mm. Yeah. Leather and performance. <laughs> he does like color. Yeah. Y'all, yes, y'all, y'all are spirit animals. <laughs> love, love, love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holly, will you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see yes. your work? Um, www.theenglishroom.biz um, is my website. At the English Room. Okay. Um, is my Instagram address. All right. Oh, let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Where did y'all come up with that name? I like it. Oh, so that is, um, I've always thought that I should probably change it, but I never have because when my mother started importing antiques before she started her design business, um, she called it the English room because she actually put it in the back of our house in one room and was selling it out of the back of the house the first few buying trips. And this man came and knocked on the door and was like, do you sell antiques? And she's like, yes, I do. He's like, I'm the zoning commission. You're going to have to get a retail space. Oh, um, stop it. Oh, but God, it was the awesome. English room because it was all English antiques. But then as it kind of evolved, an English room generally is a mix of English antiques and continental antiques and kind of lots of things. So it's kind of, I thought it worked because I like so many different styles and eras, yeah. et cetera. So I left it. I like it. I it's really yeah. cute. I do too. Nice. It's different. In a good way. Memorable. Yes. All right, guys, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. And, of course, send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Someone as talented as Miss Holly here can answer your question. All of your burning decorating dilemmas give you some good advice. Um, Find show notes for this episode at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. Maybe we can include the um, before and after of your hallway Oh, absolutely. Sure. For people to see. Oh, I love that. Um, And follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't don't forget to enable the Alexa skill skill. on your Alexa. (laughs) On your Alexa. I can never say it right. So you can listen to How to Decorate on Alexa. Alexa. There you go. All right. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.